to another episode of The Moments in the Oppas, a podcast discussing the Avatar universe's folklore episode by episode. We're your hosts, Eric Lefebvre, Dr. Amber Jones, and Jessica Tercero. We're continuing our journey through Avatar, The Last Airbender. We're on book two, Earth, and we've made it to chapter four, The Swamp. <laughs> Sorry, I can't stop thinking about your introduction, Eric. This time on TLC's Swamp People. (laughs) In this chapter, an ominous swamp pulls in Team Avatar and fucks with their desires while managing to provide some important perspective. So, first and foremost, my favorite character of the entire series is in this episode. (gasps) Really? The fucking screaming bird. Um, it is <laughs> so funny and so silly and it's like the perfect little throwaway gag where they're in this scary mysterious place and it's like Wah! like human scream somewhere in the distance pan out it's just a fucking cute little bird on a branch like <laughs> and it's just it's great and it, it gets the callback at the end of the episode too it's like the nice little comedic cap to the piece like it's is my i love this i love that bird I need more of that um, um This episode delivers on so much. It delivers on like creepiness. It delivers on like historical significance. Mm-hmm. It delivers on philosophy. It was a nice um, glimpse into what uh, the Avatar gang is really thinking about. Uh, the Swamp delivers. The Swamp delivers, and ultimately it is like a wonderful little metaphor for the connectedness of all people and the intuitive connectedness of like spirits and humankind in connection to like earth and all that stuff. It is such a wonderful metaphor. So like that idea of the swamp showing you your desires or showing you what you want or guiding you or like calling you. Mm -hmm. And that's making me think of like, because when it starts off, it's like everybody wants to get away from this stinky swamp. They're like, um, no, doesn't look good. Let's not uh, X nay, don't go there. Um, and thinking about it, in not the yummy, not into it. Of what you said, that like it's kind of akin to how uncomfortable people are with connectedness, with vulnerability. Like, they're all just like, "Mm, no, let's not go there. Why are you going there? Let's not go there. Let's go anywhere else. Um, But literally, they must be forced down. They had to be forced and separated and challenged. We don't really know why at this point, but it's very interesting. I understand the everyone but Aang's... uh, inclination to say like hey maybe not let's not land in this scary swamp mm-hmm. uh, it's like no but it's like calling me like I have to go down there and they're like ooh don't though <laughs> and he's like oh okay for sure like I so I guess I don't have though. to <laughs> yeah like just maybe don't like that's a g- also an idea Um, but it is interesting because ultimately it is the conversation of like vulnerability and connectedness and i think the 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 last holdout like ang obviously from the jump is like this is it i get it i've been called here yes i'm one with the swamp i'm one with the earth go off and then katara similarly 
comes to that realization. And I think Sokka's the only one who ultimately is just like, ah, whatever. Mm-hmm. They're just vines. Yeah. They're not hurting. Like, there's nothing here. I'm not. He's always pushing. None of this matters. It. It's so yeah. interesting that you both bring up vulnerability. I'm personally doing a lot of work on vulnerability and shame and um, mm. diving into Brene Brown full i mean i've i've read some stuff or like seen some stuff before but like now i'm like mm-hmm. really diving in right and cool um in one of the books that i was recently reading she mentions or she talks about how like we can't ever be like truly there or truly connected unless we're vulnerable with one another and how mm. like how essential that is to human connection and when we Mm. don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable we miss out on that and connection is like the meaning of life i mean which like obviously all of this is a hundred percent true right and so like i think that's so interesting um that you both brought that up uh that that word specifically because ang is the only one at this point that is willing to be like i mean he showed all of his cards right he's been like well I'm the avatar mm-hmm. and I left and I abandoned everybody. So here I am. Whereas yeah. like, you know, and I feel like he started to kind of resolve some of that and, um, you know, through talking about it and getting that out and, you know, yeah. seeing that he now has to save this fate from yeah. like everybody. Right. And also like, yeah, he doesn't have a choice. Things are just getting really real in season two. Totally. And, but yeah. he's willing mm-hmm. to listen and yeah. he's willing to put in that work. Right. Whereas Katara is still running away from, you know, what happened with her mom, you know, that's still so traumatic yes. and that is with her that whole time and Sokka right now he's at that part of vulnerability where um, you know all he can feel is shame because he couldn't yes. save UA right and he's not ready to share he's kind of he's Sokka he's silly he's funny you yeah. know he you know nothing's nothing's real ha 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 but like he's not willing or ready to share that mm. with anybody even himself you know but like yes. you know at, like they at the end like when they all find each other they they talk mm. about what they experienced and what they saw right and he's mm. still reluctant to talk about what he saw but he's like yeah i saw her and i see her every day and i think about her every single day you know mm. and that's when they're they're able to like you know move forward but until that moment like you know until they have like that real connection they're not able to um you know uh, sure the the other dude comes and they're like hey the tree let's talk about the tree come on right or yeah <laughs> but um but yeah i think that's so interesting what i like about this episode is like if it wasn't for the swamp we wouldn't have known that that's what's really on their mind like mm-hmm. Aang's was kind of easy of course Aang is thinking about where the hell am I gonna find the right teacher and so that's what his vision was about but like we wouldn't have known that Katara has been thinking about her mother this whole time mm-hmm. enough yeah. where like she hysterically oh, uh convinces herself that he see she sees her mother that she saw die mm-hmm. and she thinks she sees her like oh that is just I, I feel like every time I watch it, I'm just like, no, don't. And that's yeah. like where they see like, you know, how mm. he sees Yue and how Katara sees her mom. Yeah. That's like the last image that they have of them. So Katara knows like this is the last time like she's she, uh, and when she yeah. starts crying, I couldn't handle it. Could not. It, no, yeah, it, it it hits. And that's like minute 
eight or something like that happens early on <laughs> yeah. in this episode totally. there's so many more heavy hits in this episode i think it's interesting that like the the sea creature monster man what's his name the one in the in yeah, the in the, the vine, in suit. The vine huh? suit or something like that hugh hugh, hugh. yeah yeah um, I think it's interesting. Like I'm sitting here and I'm trying to see it from his perspective. He's like, okay, so he doesn't want these kids messing up his home. So he's like fucking with them, knowing that the swamp is going to fuck with their heads and that's gonna make them leave. But also after that, like when he's battling them, I was like, no, you're like gonna kill these children. <laughs> like he comes close to like killing them a few times. Yeah. It did seem so abrupt. Like, <laughs> like I understand that generally this fight was a misunderstanding, like just misunderstanding intention. Yeah. Like they didn't know who this was or where they were coming from, but he's like, these are outsiders. Why are you yeah. here trying to kill me? And it's just like, suddenly it's like, oh, well, we're not trying to do this. Like, oh, well, neither am I. Oh yeah. Do you want to see my tree? <laughs> I'm like, Oh yeah, for sure. Let's go see. But it's tree. like Sokka has <laughs> like, literally it's... been like destroying this swamp at like at every turn, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you mean you didn't just... mean to do that? Okay, cool. What? <laughs> yeah, it's just it is such. I thought it's it is jarring, but it was also a very funny. Just like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I guess it was just a misunderstanding. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's go talk to the yes. tree. <laughs> and so then, so my favorite part of anything is the time where we talk to the tree mm-hmm. so like yes. Hugh, he's talking about the giant banyan grove tree which of course is like based on a real like type of tree like the banyan tree um oh my gosh there's so much uh avatar philosophy that they pack into like just this one episode um, he talks about how um, the swamp is just one big tree and like those connections are the same as um, the connections between all of us. Like, what does he say that like time is an illusion? Uh, and uh, so is death. And so is death. Yes. Literally, I'm obsessed with these small moments of absolute like, 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 like Taoist nihilism, yes. Yes. Uh, like loveliness. That is just, it's so, this show is imbued is with so much of this idea generally. Accessible for children. Super accessible. And, like in a way yes. that it makes sense. Yes. It's so exciting because truly it's just like, like death is an illusion. Like what? That's yeah. a, that is something in a kid's show that's insanity. Yeah. But it's so cool. And like the fact that he was like, you know, we're all just like one people, even though most of the time we don't act like it. Like I would have wanted them to make the connection. Like, so like when we tried to kill each other earlier, right? that was like, we realized that was stupid and we stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it was just like a mini beautiful little like waterbender heaven. The philosophy in this uh, episode is so good. Um, I also just love thinking about the premonition of it all, where Aang sees a premonition of Toph, but not Toph as she is, but Toph as the world sees her, which Mm -hmm. I think is really interesting. Um, Like, I don't know if like that was purposeful just to like give him enough clues in order to find this person, or if, I don't know, like, 
there's something about like the essence of Toph and the connection to this swamp uh, because we know 70 years in the future Toph is living in this damn swamp she's <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love that for her so much so yeah. much that um, in this swamp that is a living metaphor to the fact that time is an illusion and separation and death is an illusion that there's there's a part of Toph that's always gonna live there mm-hmm. and yeah maybe who knows how many avatars are going to go to that swamp to interact with Toph or whatever spirit is taking on Toph's role at that time it's mm-hmm. just very interesting and it speaks to like just like the deep earthy spirituality of the swamp it's almost like a place outside of time and space. Mm-hmm. I mean, apart from th- the only grounded aspect of this is like the B plot with um, uh, Momo and Appa folk. and the swamp folk trying to like capture yeah. them and eat them. <laughs> um, that's the only part where I'm like, okay, so this is just like a goofy little swamp yeah. with goofy little swamp well, people. Well, but cool. again, we see the the parallels between momo and Sokka, where they're both like cutting down all these vines just trying to get through here and just like whatever yeah. fuck this True. right yeah. so like and immediately getting in trouble also they don't give yeah. a shit or understand any of the supernatural stuff Sokka mm. is like fuck all this but i the swamp as an idea is so interesting yeah yes. just as this sort of timeless spaceless yeah that can uh it's almost like a void like but, make but. you trip balls if it was yeah well it's almost it almost feels like a like a place that doesn't exist and it almost feels just like a dream mm-hmm. right it's almost like a meditative state mm-hmm. less more so a meditative state less so a place because it is that sort of like in this place they're able to be vulnerable and dig into what it mm-hmm. is and see what it is that they want or they're ashamed of or what they are afraid of or what they what they envision and like sort of manifest a future to some degree, right? With the top mm-hmm. stuff, like there's a level of connectedness to destiny mm-hmm. in this place that almost makes it feel like meditation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, in this cool way. Yes. And yeah. uh, again, they all wanted to avoid it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They did. What was I listening to? <laughs> I was listening to something. It was some comedy podcast and it's really, fu- it was just really funny. Cause they were like, God, I wish there was just like a catch all to like, like, fe- well, some not a catch all, but somebody was talking about something about like, don't you hate it when like people say things and then um, it's like, you hear the same thing, like, like say for like drink water and like, you'll feel better. Like you say, hear people say all this stuff over and over again. And then suddenly you do it and like, Oh my God, I do feel better. It's like, like people are like, oh, you should just do yoga and meditate. And it's like, fucking, I don't like everyone says that. And then suddenly I do it and it's like, oh, wow, I should <laughs> tell everybody about I feel this. Way better. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know why that popped into my head. Yeah. Um, I also butchered the joke. There was a joke in there and that my, my rambling of it. I was going to say, uh, this doesn't sound like a comedy podcast. So I'm not sure if no, I believe it. No, I know. You. It just... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I ruined the. I ruined it. It's okay. You, are, you <laughs> looked were, great while doing it. I, yeah. I, <laughs> I was. You know what gets stuck in my head a lot? Uh, sorry. We're. I'm just. My brain is bouncing around. 
Tyra Banks in Life Size when she's trying to make a photocopy of something and the paper's flying everywhere and she's on the ground like, I broke it. I broke it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh God. And Tyra Banks <laughs> She's so wild. I mean, I stand by her in Life Size. I think she's iconic. Yeah, I was like, that was a but... good movie. And I remember like just liking the fact that she was black. <laughs> literally yeah. right I was like yeah like black, black barbies. barbies yeah i'm in amazing the story. yeah then, yeah it was and it was chaos. great and she was great in it <laughs> she's she is absolute chaos but just her in that movie it was very formative for me as a kid and then also just that scene is so for some reason in my brain that whenever sometimes i like i feel like i make a mistake or i say something or like i i ramble a little bit it's just her in my brain mm-hmm. in that copy machine. Like, I broke it. I broke it. <laughs> trying to catch the copies. Okay, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I have <sighs> to interrupt this. Um, Life Size 2 came out in 2018. We can't. It looks so bad. With Tyra I Banks wanted it to and be so Lindsay good. Lohan. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So that is absolutely going to go on our on our it. podcast list. I'm just going to put it uh, on there. I don't know. If we uh, put it on there, <laughs> I literally don't know if I can handle it. The trailer was like Tyra doing this like shitty RuPaul's Drag Race oh, rap, that so awful. and like it was so putting yeah. and like is this Tyra what in 2018 is, is such a different ti- person. Literally, it's Tyra 2018, and you're like, like we could. I love life size. Like deal with the 90s one is because. <laughs> We didn't know how fucking crazy and we didn't. dangerous cra- chaotic you are yet. We didn't know yeah, her we yet. We didn't know you yet. Easy. I had to we Google it because I've never seen it. Like, I always wanted to see it. And I was like, when did oh. that come out? And then it's life-size too. And it's like, oh, shit. Oh, okay. no. Oh, no. It's very, it's very fun. This and I'm sure so it's hard. a lot of silly misogynist jokes yeah. um, rampant through the movie. But... She's she's a star. Shine bright, shine far. She's a star. Um and it's Lindsay Lohan, mm-hmm. right? She's the kid. Oof. Yeah, she's she's amazing in it too. <laughs> um sorry, I completely derailed us. Uh No, I'm good. Where let's, were we? Let's let's dive back into the swamp. Thus, let's dive back into the swamp. Let's get much Um So we haven't talked about Zuko. There is like a tiny side B story. Isn't this one right? Not in the previous. Yeah, one. it's in this it one. It is. Where, yeah. Um, him and Iroh are now wearing Earthbender colors and begging for money. Yeah. Um. And Zuko is so fucking frustrated and angry. He can barely like contain himself. He's watching. <laughs> his uncle literally danced for pennies and he's not getting that his uncle is like trying to show him just like how much it doesn't matter but like all he can see is like oh my god i'm here with a fucking clown Mm -hmm. i'm a prince like yeah they need to carry me to their their (laughs) bed why am i sitting on the street and it's just it's it's comedy but it's like a just laughing at his pain it's also like continuing his narrative from the last time that we saw him where he's like i wasn't meant for this refugee life i this this does not suit me i was i am a prince right 
Um, the peasants. And yes. I did feel like part of like him like trying to like him sh- like visibly shaking like with anger was not just at that but also at like mm. his uncle being humiliated because he really does love his uncle right yes. and so we see I, the ominous last um scene in this is the blue spirit yeah. comes and is like oh like standing over the the guy that yeah like Okay, also, what an asshole that went up to Iroh and was like, here's here's a one gold, do something for me, give me entertainment. And then he's like, starts singing and he starts like hitting, like hitting where his feet is with his swords to mm-hmm. make him dance. Like, what a fucking asshole. Oh, yes. what a complete, complete violent monster. I love the scene because to me, uh, Obviously, Zuko's like, why are you doing this? You're debasing yourself. Yeah. Like, you, you are humiliating yourself. Also, murder that guy. Like, Zuko knows, you, like, literally, you totally you, like, murder that guy. <laughs> yeah. And I just love Iroh's commitment mm-hmm. to peace yeah. and his commitment to de-escalation at almost every turn. Like, that's his whole deal. At this stage and even in this way... At this, at the, Especially yeah, after yeah, being exactly. a war criminal, he's life. humbled yes. himself so much that uh, he is yes. willing to do this for pennies, begging these people for something that he knows he does not, um, he does not have the right to with them. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's it's an it's that one moment too when and so people think that yes. he's just being a simple little clown, but really there's so many layers to what he's doing, and that's why it's important to keep in mind all that he is. Mm-hmm. yeah and just the, like i just i like his response to zuko when zuko asks him why he did it i like his response i don't remember what it was but i liked his response oh it was to zuko. what a nice um, man was what he said is that what yeah, he said when um yeah when he, he gave him like, the what coin a nice man yeah mm-hmm. did he say something else about like getting oh he said he said something else uh, zuko said these people should give us whatever we want and he said they will if you ask the not right way or something or you if you ask nicely yes so there was a level of like the understanding that like if you ask the right way you can still get what you want yeah. in a way that is not just taking and authoritative yeah and, and- <laughs> colonial but <laughs> at least like trying to influence zuko to a, like at least like think more creatively yeah. which i mean zuko does start doing sure there was another moment though where zuko or i'm sorry where iroh um like right before or after that moment where he's like you just have to ask nicely he starts hardcore flirting with that woman that gave him like a Oh, so like that's t- right. so to me that more tied the like you can get whatever you want as long as you ask nicely yeah to um to sure like you know you can get a place to sleep or whatever but also access to you know women or whatever and i was like oh god mm-hmm. like yeah uh, I forget what he said. I mean, he is obviously very charming, but still, I was like, yeah. like, I mean, maybe, maybe not that moment right there. Maybe not that there. granted if i if he said to me that like my smile made his day i would have just 
I, I, uh, not to be graphic, but I'm simply a hole. <laughs> like, break me down, sir. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, if he said that to me, I'm sorry. I'm, whoa. You know what I mean? Agreed. Uh, he's so hot. Agreed. And ditto. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> <laughs> simply a hole on so the avatar much more podcast kink in season two like there really season is one, they're babies rolling around oh no what's happening here yeah. we we have histories there's there's a lot more sexual tension and it just gets it gets more inflamed obviously as like we're, again, we're getting those histories, and that just inflames literally all of the baggage of all of these characters yes. who have all of these emotions that are undealt with and completely yes. like capsized in their own psyche. In and it's cool. Is right. <laughs> yeah, we watch it. Um, is that is that the end of their plot? Um, right, because we, we get like maybe one more cut scene before it's the the blue. Um, no, I don't. It's, Was that it? I yeah. think it's just in the beginning and then um, yeah, at the end. Yeah, at the yeah. end. Because then that's yeah. the resolution oh, of that storyline. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. But I think it's also like that what they chose to share this like little bit of Zuko and Uncle Iroh's story to be like, um, this is the moment where Zuko decides, okay, what can I do? If I can't change this shitty ass situation that I fucking hate. What what do I have at my disposal? Um, and he's like, oh, I can work them swords. And that guy's a fucking idiot. And I saw the mask. So let's go back to that old faithful. Um, yeah. And I, that's an important step to make. And it's not easy. Like he has to decide that he's gonna fight back against these horrible odds he's in. And I think, I mean, doing it covertly too as a way to like still be on this covert mission where he's undercover and like running away from his family, but simultaneously mm. still giving himself the autonomy of strength yeah. uh, and of the disguise to like enact whatever frustrations he has. Yeah. And I mean, it's a way. It really is just a way to like feel powerful in a powerless position. Yeah, he's him. not ready. I like how you put that. He's not ready for vulnerability Thank or you. humility. Mm. Um, he's trying really hard to not show that because um, his, mm. you know, his default response is anger and frustration and violence. Um, he finds a way to carry it out later. Yes, but he's yeah, he's not lashing out right away but he's so we can see that he's kind of starting to learn patience or learn to accept some things but he's definitely not there yet right yeah like he hasn't gotten those important lessons yet but he's like well i gotta do something let me get these swords i can i can plan from there remember like he's he's still in a place where he's not sure how to plan his life. He's just kind of like going with the flow. And he's probably honestly yeah. like pissed at himself a little bit because the last time that we saw him, we didn't see anything from them. Um, the last episode, mm. but the episode before that, mm. he totally took advantage of these uh, people that 
his yeah. his own like people like you know burnt Burn. and destroyed and you know like and so then having the audacity to steal from them right like yeah. having kind of started to grow this conscience mm-hmm. and like be like forced to you know really stare in the face mm-hmm. like the consequences of um of the fire nation's actions right and like yeah. him as the crown prince like what you know what that means like so yeah i do want to think that a lot of like his reaction to is just being upset with himself and trying to take it out on somebody else yeah. because this person gave them shelter gave them food gave them literally everything that they could ever that that they wanted that they had to give and he took everything from them but yet this other person like made them dance and sing for a penny you know yeah so i don't know i think he's he's having that internal struggle too yeah oh yeah season two is all about Zuko's internal struggle like what is gonna win out um and we can really see that like it's a like knockout knockdown drag out fight <laughs> internally with Zuko that um he I think is in a place where he's trying to pretend like he's someone who doesn't care because like that's what was rewarded in his culture you know Mm -hmm. to not care about who you hurt and take what you need and he thinks that that's what it means to be like a firebender at this point um and so he tells himself he doesn't care that he took their horse bird thing even though (laughs) deep down i'm sure that's killing him uh he like so then he decides okay if i'm gonna like steal something at least it should be like from a jerk or something like Mm -hmm. that Um, But he's still, he's really wrestling with, there are things that I need and um, I got to do what I, what I got to do to get them versus what am I willing to do? Like, where is my line? Mm -hmm. Because I can't actually survive without a line. Like he thinks that like, I mean, obviously his dad doesn't have a line. Azula doesn't have a line. Um, but he can't live that way. He's and that's the thing for him. He comes from such an ethicless place, and so now we're like literally watching him create his own sort of ethics compass. Wow! And in des- and, and like designing it himself, being like, okay, well, that made me feel like shit. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna do that again. But what if I did that again for somebody who like maybe deserves it? Let's yeah. see how that feels. And maybe he's not gonna feel that way. And so we're like, I mean, we we literally watch him at every moment, every yeah. choice he makes Ugh, is so him trying to distinguish. Yeah, I yeah. feel like he's also because he was older, like you know, before his mom disappeared mm. and stuff like that, and he had like mm. a really good relationship with her. Like, and we know mm. that you know she, uh, from what we understand, she was a, a good and decent person, right? Or mm-hmm. at, it, as much as she could be in the position that she was in. Yeah. So having her as a huge influence, you know, and then questioning why that went away and then being in his position, having Iroh just kind of like, you know, drive home morality and goodness and mm, all of that, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> like we're real time watching him deconstruct 
and reconstruct mm. his moral his moral compass right his his yeah. his yeah. morality and what does that mean and what does this look like because it's so fucked up for him because he has seen this stuff like his mom told him one thing his dad told him another but then his mom was gone and okay dad's yeah. here well this is what's rewarded this is surely what this is and then he was hurt by mm. that too and then so i mean he's all fucked up because like nobody it because he he's just been told so many contradictory things so like this yeah. rather than yeah. him just being told hey this is what it is he's actually starting to like try things and figure out what feels good and what does not feel good right rather than just taking yeah. somebody's word for it and I think that's why it ultimately yeah. sticks this time, you know, especially later on, he goes back to his daddy and that's a whole thing. And then he leaves and then, you know, but like, but he's trying these things and figuring it out for himself, you know, and we're seeing that, um, which is really fucking cool, <laughs> like to have this kind yeah. of a character arc and to literally see that happen in real time rather than two episodes later. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm so good now. Like, I'm so good. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, I decided I have been convinced it is better to be good. No, like, you see him wrestle and, like, and as we were talking, I just kept thinking, I was like, actually, this whole season is sprinkled of, like, with, like, small scenes that are really, like, depicting Zuko wrestling with these questions and what he's willing to do for his own survival, what... Um, and like we said, like finding where his line is and what he thinks is really, truly right. Um, and oh man, it's it's beautiful how they're putting his story together. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. They do such a good job showing that you don't, it doesn't have to be perfect along the way, but all the things that he's going through are preparing him to make some of the most important decisions that he has to make the right decision because it is the fate of the world mm -hmm. and because yeah. he's he's building that morality himself rather than somebody telling him mm -hmm. like this is what it is mm -hmm. like that's that's how that's ultimately going to stick and how he he's knows where he stands in season three right he mm -hmm. knows what like what he has to do it doesn't matter if everybody hates him it doesn't matter like it's not about him in that moment it's about every mm -hmm. it's about the world it's about everybody else mm -hmm. right he needs to he yeah. needs to be here for this and so like to to have him come at that being from where he was and really like build that humility that he absolutely doesn't have here mm -hmm. right um is mm -hmm. such a good um is such a good transition yeah and there are so many more stops for zuko in this transformation that he's in um and another thing that's cool about zuko's story is he makes the wrong decision and then later is able to correct it and i think that's um like these kinds of ethical dilemmas aren't always um told in that way it's usually told in like oh make the right decision because there's only one time you get to do it mm -hmm. um yeah. versus in this time it was like uh actually no like <laughs> um like obviously it's best to make the right decision the first time but even if you don't 
there are ways to find your way back. It's hard and you can't just say, oh, it was just different later. You have to show that progression on why it would feel different. Mm -hmm. Like if even right now, even with like Zuko struggling with what is good, if you popped up and was like, no, for real, your dad wants you home. He's proud of you. He was crazy before. If And if it was like the real thing and not just Zula's lies, he would have jumped at it and he would have been happy with it, mm-hmm. even though, and, and he wouldn't have had to like challenge himself on these questions. So it still takes a while for him to be strong enough to make the right choice at the right time. It's it is it is gorgeous to watch them tell that journey in such a real way. Mm-hmm. Again, like most stories, it's very neat, clear cut. And again, oftentimes it's a binary where it's like it is yes or it is no. It is this time or it's never. Yeah. Um, to be able to watch him actually grow and make mistakes and be given chances to mm-hmm. re-examine decisions that he'd made in the past and yeah. try to like make a different choice or see what happens when he does the other thing or the other things. Mm. It is cool. It's, it's, it is what a good way to tell a complex story and a, it, yeah. and a complex story for a complex character. Zuko is cool. Literally the more time I spend in this show, the more I, cause initially obviously like, I'm mm. like, well fuck Zuko a and B also fuck Zuko. Like I don't care yeah. about Zuko. <laughs> like fuck him. Who cares? But the more time I spend with him, obviously the more time, like, mm. There is way more empathy given to him in the way that they depict his journey. And it yeah. is really cool to see. I like him a lot more the more time I think about him. He about him. earns his development. He does. Like he could 100%. have just been the cute prince who, um, you know, was always in the right place at the right time. But no, he yeah. like he has some very serious obstacles and many many times where he was going to lose and did lose um but he kept with it um i think it also says a lot about um what is seen as like the essence of firebending um there's one point when uncle iroh was talking about how like firebenders have the drive to go after what they want um and it's so easy to take that drive and pervert it like you see in ozai or you see in azula Mm -hmm. um but it takes a lot of study and a lot of deep understanding and taking knowledge from all of the different walks of life and different ways of living um in order to keep you know like kind of keep your eye on the prize or be able to source your bending from the right place. Yeah. This one is really just a fucking nice slapstick. Yeah, truly. Um, there's, it really oh, does. there's this moment I forgot to mention and there's like no other context for it, but like they do this cool close up of one of like the swamp benders when he goes like he's talking to the other one and he was like, you know what's at the end of that trail and he was like no what and then they do this cool like close up and he goes dinner (laughs) and um and i always just really liked that (laughs) that little that little touch he goes like dinner and he does like a little wing and it's just like it's like a cute 
like you like these little characters i would watch little side adventures with the swamp vendors i would yeah I would absolutely watch that i would also watch uh momo and appa adventures like they're just in the swamp oh, by yeah. themselves Same. and like yeah uh momo is freaked out because yeah, of all the, like, the noises and then appa just like growls once and then the swamp is fucking silent like oh yeah mm-hmm. so but fun. then momo just... realizes oh wait it's all still there now they're just quiet and i don't know where they are um yeah, yeah. it was good momo appa time in this episode mm-hmm. and i did like just the ending how they wrapped up the um oh why would you want to eat our whatever and they're like oh well because we're whatever it's like oh well what if i said i wanted to eat the gator catfish they're like that's family yeah, yeah like are you kidding <laughs> Yeah. Are you are you an asshole? Like what do you Bugs are people. It's just food. a fun little like God. Yeah. It's just like a, a cute little like I don't know, it's a nice uh, a a recognition moment of like we're all the same just in different costumes. And like all's well that ends with barbecue. <laughs> yeah. Um well in that case everyone who is tuning into this little broadcast and Woo-hoo. it's not a broadcast it's a podcast oh. thank you for joining us today whenever thank today is so for much. you Oh music and editing by Eric Lafebri artwork by David Tercero I we rather beg you to do not forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. It helps so much, and we'll love you for we it forever dance, and ever. Amen. And we will sing for your pennies for you too. We will always, always remember Uncle Iro was a war criminal. Uncle Iro is a war criminal, <laughs> and again, simply a whole. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. We'll catch beautiful. you next time. This podcast has been brought to you by the Nostalgia Network. Visit the NostalgiaNetwork.com for more. Hey everybody, I'm Eric. I'm Shelby. I'm Jake. And we are the band Lousy Advice from the Lousy Advice Podcast. Come listen as we draft artists and genre-centric best-of lists. With the help of our closest friends. These lists are canon. And there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it. From misfits to share. Green Day to Gaga or Pup to Paramore. Listen to the Lousy Advice podcast now or else. Stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Nostalgia Network or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that we are the band Lousy Advice and this is our podcast, the Lousy Advice podcast. The Lousy Advice podcast? The Lousy Advice podcast. Podcast. Podcast.